Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple here. You're listening to the Garden Faithful, the Rangers podcast from The Athletic. It's a very exciting time. So exciting for the very busy, on-the-road Steve Valiquette, live from his car. Valley, what's going on, buddy? Yes. Uh, this is the first time from the car. Let's see how this goes. I hope the audio is okay for Chris to do to the editing. <laughs> I think so. We just want we need we need your insights, especially with what's going on these last these first two games of this uh, first-round series. And uh, Chris Flannery, our producer, will be on later to give the fan perspective when we do our little end of show roundtable. But first, Valley, I know you don't have uh, all your data in front of you, but the stuff that we talked about leading up to this series that the Rangers had to do, they are for sure doing and doing it well. And the things that the Devils excelled at in the regular season that we were the only way the Devils could beat them is to play fast, get chances off the rush. They're not the Rangers aren't permitting them to do any of that. It's really been, you know, the, the scores are five one, five one. I honestly thought the game last night, game two, was more dominant by the Rangers than game one. I, you know, Igor Shesterkin had to be a little bit sharper in game one. The Devils did have the puck a little bit more. Last night was a clinic, I thought, from start to finish, even though the Rangers were behind by a goal after the first. It was um it's been two really impressive games. And I guess my question to you is you know, we wondered, could the Rangers play this style of game? And I guess our question's been answered. So we don't even have to say, did you expect to see this coming? Because we both wondered, but they've proved us, proved to us that they know what they're doing this time of year. Right, because 
whatever sport you choose to follow, we always talk about leading up to the big game that you have to be playing your best. You have to be performing at your highest level to be successful when it matters. But for the last two weeks before the playoffs began, we saw the Rangers playing meaningless games. And we were worried that they weren't able to just flick the switch and be able to defend the right way and be able to play on the right side of the puck. But I think the critical error from the Devils' standpoint is changing the lineup for last night's game. Mm -hmm. After game one, if you were assessing things either with your eyeballs or analytically, I think the big miss so far in the series is the Devils had 17 chances off the rush in game one. They only had three high danger chances. Mm -hmm. What I take away from that, and I watched all 17, and what I took away from that was, all right, these guys are getting their looks. They're not making the most of them. They're taking long shots when they could have challenged the Rangers D. They were going wide when they could have made it inside. They had passing outlets that they just chose to lock off of. So maybe the nerves and the intuition wasn't there from the Devils. And they had 10 players playing their first playoff game in game one. And maybe that's it. And then you, you overreact, I feel like whether it was management, the analytics group, or coaching on the Devils' side, I think they should have stuck with the same lineup for uh, game number two. And I think that's the miss there. If Igor was in Vanacek's net and Vanacek was in Igor's net in game one, it could have been the score 5-1 the other way. Right. So last night, no question, the Devils had three high-danger chances in the entire game. Mm. You can't win that way. The Rangers need to be commended for how well they're defending in the series and how they are allowing the Devils to take these low-risk shots. I call them 99 percenters for Igor. So, I mean, that's where we're at. You know, that's my take so far. Um, you know, I, I think the Devils really made a mistake icing the lineup that they did for game two. And I want to say that it's not a mistake for personnel. It's a mistake for mindset. You're telling your players after game one, oh, man, we've got, we've lost faith. We've lost faith in you guys. I don't think we can stick with this lineup. we got to make changes when I think that's the misstep so far. Yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, I, I was surprised. And, I, I, you know, you can't you can't ever really find out this time of year. But but Jonas Siegenthaler, who's had a very good year for them as Dougie Hamilton's deep partner, yes. essentially, essentially their top pair, he's on the ice for warmups and he's out. If they're scratching him because they felt like he didn't play well, this is a guy they signed for a long six years, I think, during the middle of this season. And you put in Brendan Smith, who was a, a very capable seventh defenseman, and you bump Kevin Ball, who's a guy who's really your six, seven, eight guy, up to the top pair with Hamilton, a new, essentially a new partner for game two, a game you probably got to win on your own ice. Uh, that was a head scratcher and, and really kind of juggling the lines a little bit. Uh, up front, and, you and know, Arthur, it, may, may I interrupt for one second? No, no, what, is, what does that What does that tell everybody in the lineup? It tells everybody in the lineup that you don't believe in us. Like right. if you do that to him, you could do that to me. Right. You know, right. it's just the worst way to start game two. That's it's all about that. Siegenthaler, if it's not injury and it's performance based scratch, I mean, I'm I'm looking around the room and I'm like, are you serious with these guys? What? <laughs> Uh, I want you to put your goalie hat on uh, for a moment. 
We've talked about Chris Kreider and his ability in front of the net. And I wrote a, an article where I did some digging on ClearSight uh, on your data site to show the difference in his just his results from year to, you know, from his incredible 52 goal year with 26 power play goals in terms of midair deflections, low slot line plays, which is how your site categorizes that side of the net off the ice tip that he is so good at. That yep. Patrick, Patrick Kane told me he's never played with a guy who can do that. Um, so the numbers, I'll just throw them out there. 2021-22, 52 goals, 26 power play goals. On the power play, he had eight power play goals that were off those low slot line plays, the tips, or a deflection in front of the net. And out of, out of 14 total scoring chances. You know, he's hitting on every single one last year, which we yeah. all saw. This yep. year... Three power play goals off of those type of plays in 24 chances. And is it is he doing something wrong? Is it is he just standing the wrong way, tipping this, turning a stick the wrong way? That there's many factors that go into it. But we've seen in these two games that he is now. They basically let him. It's almost to me the way that we talk about Shesterkin, where he gets comfortable, he gets a cut, he gets some puck touches early, and he gets into the rhythm. Chris Kreider got some puck touches on the power play in front of that early, and they went in in game one, and now he seems like anything that hits him might go in. And it, it's not an accident. He's doing, obviously, what he does, and it's incredible skill. But, uh, man, it's it's been remarkable to watch how, how yeah. everything that goes near him is going in the net these first two games. So a few things. During the regular season, if you watch the 24 that you're referring to, it's really, it's a neat exercise because you'll see a blend of bad luck and bad tracking. Now, what I mean by tracking is that uh, Kreider, much like a goalie, he'll go through a phase just like Joe Pavelski will, where the puck coming in from the point looks like a grapefruit. Mm-hmm. And at some points, it looks like it's the size of a pea. <laughs> and sometimes it's the way that you actually track that puck and you converge your eyes and your head and you drop your chin to make contact because you have to track that object all the way to your stick in Chris Kreider's case. And I think his tracking right now is on point the way that Igor's tracking is on point. So he's seeing grapefruits coming in from the point right now. And a big part of that is that he also has a little more space to operate because Kane is on the flank. Mm-hmm. And this is a threat now that the Rangers have not had during the regular season that they have now. If you go to the first power play goal of game one, you'll see Graves reach for attention to go out to Kane. And that opens up Kreider with a little more time, a little more space. He needs that to operate. It gives him a little more confidence. Do you want to know why? Because when the puck's coming in from the point, he's not getting bumped at the last minute and then maybe taking it in the teeth either. Yeah. And that's a big piece here on goal number two in game one. Kreider's able to get to net front because Graves was defending him differently. I think Graves and Marino net front is a horrible matchup for anybody that they're playing against. They're, they're struggling. Yeah. The other yeah, people yeah. that are struggling are the guys that are at the top of the diamond. Nico Heischer can't get in a shot lane. McLeod can't. Mercer can't. Paula can't. I think everybody's struggling on their PK. And now they don't even have an answer for anything. And they have too much. They have very busy brains right now. The devils do on their PK. They're thinking about way too much. That's out of their control. And there's too many weapons on the Ranger side. I mean, it's yeah. absurd how much option they have to create right now. So you guys are watching the same thing I'm watching. It's all helping Kreider free up with more space. 
you had pointed out Graves and Marino as the vulnerable D pair. We were probably talking five on five, and I think we saw a little bit of that on Kane's goal where he, you know, Big time. Took, took the puck off Jesper Bratt. And I don't, you know, and Bratt, that, that's a tough play. You're playing against one of the greatest players of all time. But Bratt has a decent angle to, to cut him off as long as he's got support. And Marino is just going east west through the neutral zone as the last guy back. And, I, and I'm watching this guy and I'm thinking he is fishing a lot. Like John Marino, who was on the Penguins last year in the playoffs. And so he fished a lot of Ranger pucks out of the net in that seven game series. Uh, you were spot on with that, that that pair is really the most vulnerable. And clearly the confidence of their ability to to defend the front of the net and keep Kreider away and be efficient on the PK is bleeding over into their five-on-five play because I haven't seen Big other time. Than Graves hitting the post uh, in game one. I haven't seen anything from either of those guys that feels like they know they know what they're doing or they they feel like they're in control of the game when they're on the ice. Yeah, I would I would absolutely if I'm on Gerard's staff, we are targeting those guys every minute and we're not going to interrupt them when they are first pair over the boards for the PK. Thank you very much. <laughs> on on top of that, I wonder if Jesper Gratz the playoff player. I got to yeah. say they must be wondering about him right now and uh, a number of players, but he really stands out as somebody that's not effective. Um as much as I love the way that Hughes was, he had a look to him in game 1. I thought he got really frustrated by the third period last night. And when he had his breakaway, uh, you could see it. You know, he's wearing it right now. He's the only guy they have up front that can drive offense. And he's wearing it. He's wearing the pressure. And it's getting tight out there. And, you know, the Rangers right now, you know what they have to do? Don't waste a game. Finish these guys off because the playoffs are a war of attrition. Do you want to play extra games against an opponent that you believe right now you're going to finish? But don't do it in six or seven. You know, get it done in four. And I think that's the message right now. It's don't take them lightly. Don't let your guard down. But let's take care of business because we don't want to play any games we don't have to and put our players at risk for injury. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to focus a little bit on what the Rangers are doing to, to keep the Devils from getting that offense going. You know, I think in the first game, it was a lot of Igor and a lot of a lot of sacrifice, 23 shot blocks. The Rangers average about 14 and a half a game this regular season. So you can see the commitment level. And and that was the kind of game where the fourth line, Barkley Goodrow, was exceptional in that first game, not just blocking shots. Took a bunch of face-offs, which is not really his forte. He was mixing it up, which is his forte. And, you know, just that that's where, you know, experience doesn't really matter if you do well. But when you do have a game like the Rangers had in game one, you want a guy with 100-plus playoff games in your lineup who plays the way Barkley Goodrow does, and he certainly did his job. In Game 2, it felt like you looked, when you were isolating on a play inside the Rangers' end, the D are, are being smart. They're not letting the Devils fly through the that, you know the front, the net front to try to get tips or create havoc. And that low forward in the zone, a lot of times it was Mika Zibanejad, who was a, an incredibly responsible player at, at all times, but it seemed like it wasn't just him 
he was leading the charge. Tarasenko was in good position. That that Trocek line didn't hurt them defensively like they have a few times in the last month or so. Um, and the kid line had the puck pretty much in the offensive zone, so they didn't have to worry too much about the D zone. It just seems like each line is doing what it needs to. And Zabanajet, I think, was a good one, is a good one to point out. He's only got one point, and I think you know we talked last year. He was very focused in the beginning of that Penguin series, unsuccessfully on stopping Sidney Crosby. Now it seems like he's focused on being responsible, shutting down who he's opposite, and they get some offense fine because they have so many weapons now, so many more than they did in the playoffs last year, that he doesn't have to be the guy at both ends of the ice. And I think that's a huge luxury for them right now. It's all about winning. That's it, right? It's all about winning. And you know what winning hockey is? The Devils haven't scored at five-on-five in two games. Right. And the Rangers have spent plenty of time on the power play. One feeds the other. Mm -hmm. One feeds the other. Because the Rangers are so disciplined and they're playing so hard and they're so hard to play against, they're frustrating the Devils right now. They're frustrating them. I mean, did you see the way the Devils reacted in the third period? I mean, yeah. Severson is trying to chop wood off Kako's arm. Yeah. And they're going to keep taking penalties because they don't have any space to play the way that they are used to and comfortable playing in the regular season. I think at the end of this, Devils management, upper management ownership is going to sit back and say, all right, we love our team for the regular season. Now we have to build this squad for the playoffs. It's a part of the process for every team. This is going to be no different for the Devils. This is going to be a learning experience for them. But I think their learning is going to be great to get in, but we want to get through, and our lineup needs to adjust. And I don't think they can play with the Rangers right now at five on five. That's the biggest sticking point, and then the Rangers are going to make you pay on the power play with all of the options that we've already talked about. I. You know, since we're just running down the list of you know, things are going great for the Rangers, Adam Fox, you know, I, I don't know if he was talked about enough. If you can say a guy who's won a Norris trophy uh, doesn't get talked about enough. Last playoff season where he was just logging incredible minutes, especially uh, in a few games where he didn't have Ryan Lindgren as his partner, get kind of muddling through until Lindgren could get back in the lineup. And he didn't have Lindgren at 100 percent at all during that postseason because of his high ankle sprain. And Fox still was a point-of-game player. And then you fast-forward to now, six, six points, six assists in these first two games. And, you know, he he's funneling pucks down to Kreider for tips in game one. He's making the neat little play, got plays that he always makes, the, the kind of the curl drop pass to Tarasenko to get them on the board and get them going in game two. And he's doing a lot at the defensive end, and he's killing penalties. Um, it's such a benefit to have a guy like that, clearly in your lineup when you get to the playoffs. You know, we we talk about you need the number one center, you need a top-level goalie, and you need at least one, maybe even two guys that can play as you get into these playoff, these do-or-die games, 25, 26, 30 minutes. You saw, if you're everybody out there watching some of the other games, or at least the highlights, Tampa didn't have Victor Hedman last night, and boy, did you notice that. Yep. You don't, ha- you don't have Big your time. alpha dog on D, and this guy in Adam Fox is... He's, you know, if they make another deep run, which sure looks like they do, his idol is Brian Leach. Uh, they're going to start, you know, Leach has a Stanley Cup ring, obviously. So that's the that's the yeah. big prize. But this is a guy in Adam Fox who you were talking before about if you got a good team with the regular season. And obviously he's had another great regular season, but he has shown himself already in just one postseason in a couple of games. He is a money player this time of year. 
Big time. You know, what I was really excited about after game one was that he and Lindgren virtually weren't on the ice for any scoring chances. I think they had one scoring chance, one high danger, the Devils did. And you start looking through the clips and how they read off one another. Uh, They're very distinct. Uh, If Fox is jumping, Lindgren always knows how to stay back and be a safety. And there is no pinching unless it's warranted. Fox's brain offensively operates at the same capacity defensively. What I like right now that he's doing is he understands where is the threat right now? Is it with me joining the rush and maybe adding too much risk? Or is it me just sliding up top and making them struggle to try and get in shooting lanes? And that's where I think he's seeing the best opportunity for offense in this series. It's to own the offensive blue line. And nobody, watch playoff game to playoff game, nobody's sliding the blue line as well as Fox right now. That's why he's getting those pucks through. The first four checker can't even make a play. They can't stay in the shooting lane, and they're ultimately screening Vanacek, who's making himself incredibly small behind the screen and getting down into a block because yeah. he can't see it. And and the one thing I want to add about Kreider, which I should have said previous, was that it's a mid-percentage chance when he makes those deflections out of the air because – it's an 18% chance to score. That's how often they go in in the NHL during the regular season. So I had a few messages on Twitter today, and I know that a lot of people that listen to our podcast follow on Twitter, but 18% is only 2% away from a high danger chance. It just happens to fall there. Mm -hmm. And there has to be a line when you're categorizing mid, high, and low. It's a high mid percentage. So it affects the expected goals at 18%, which is still really close to high. It's a great scoring chance, but the difference is if it's a deflected puck in front of the goalie, you can see it. I think it's four and a half percent this year, Mm -hmm. but the difference is when Kreider gets to the other side of the slot line, now we're talking about a 30% chance to score. So the quality that Fox delivers to the net to give his teammates the best opportunity to score is what he understands. Whether he knows the analytics or he knows it intuitively, he knows it. And he knows right now it's better to get into the offensive zone and play this team five on five and get on the power play and hurt them there than it is to join every rush and try and outrush this team. That's been the smarts in the series for Fox. And you know what? I was worried about it before the series because I was wondering, can Adam Fox add offense in this type of a series while not compromising his defensive zone. And he certainly answered that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Vladimir Tarasenko been really solid, both games, first goal for the Rangers in both of them. Um, And really, I think last night, you know, if you're looking for the skill highlights, Patrick Kane kind of filling that Fox role on the power play with, uh, with a couple of, you know, funneling the pucks down for, for deflections by Kreider um, and a real, you know, just a, a master class of hounding the puck off of just Jesper Bratt's stick, going in, using a guy who's waiting for a, a pass for a hat trick, which I can guarantee you, if that's Mika Zibanejad, he's finding a way to get Chris Kreider a shot for that hat trick. And Patrick Kane says, <laughs> says, uh-uh, I'm Patrick Kane, mother effers. Like, I'm going to do this myself. And, <laughs> you know, when you talk to when you talk to Kane, I've talked to him a couple of times over the last month or two, and when he, you know, he says he during the regular season he wasn't feeling super comfortable. He's like, but when I at my when I'm myself, I have the puck. I'm the one that everybody's watching. I'm gonna make the play. 
And that was him. That was Patrick Kane right there. That was showtime. And uh, it was a real exclamation point on that game. And I think he had a very middling game one, but I think he knew it. And I think he knew he had to step up and, and the great players step up this time of year. So you're seeing it from both big stars with, with Stanley Cup rings that the Rangers brought in. You know, I don't want to be redundant here, but did I tell you guys on the podcast about the story in Vail where I was talking to him about joining the camp in the hallway? No. No, please tell us. No, I don't think so. Okay, yeah, no. So here's here's the funny thing about Kane because before he was acquired, you know, I at least saw it on social media, and some people had some voice around him being of bad character and what have you. Now, I spent a week with him in Vail, Colorado, would have been something like eight years ago, and he came into the camp that we had set up, where this is a camp with Tavares and Crosby and McKinnon and Stamkos. And I could keep going down the list, but just think of every star player in the NHL eight years ago. And I see him in the hallway and I'm saying hello to him and we're talking as we're walking towards the rink. And I'm like, excited about getting on the ice with the boys uh, tomorrow. He's like, yeah, you know, just a little bit nervous. Like, what do you mean nervous? He said, "I, I haven't been on the ice with this quality of talent this early in the summer. I'm like, you're Patrick Kane. He was coming off a cup. And I'm like, you're Patrick Kane. Like, what are you talking about? And I was watching his behavior through that week. He's one of the hardest workers on the ice. He's obsessed with hockey. He's working his ass off, and he's so committed. And I really felt like at the end of that week, just being around him, being uh, at the same table as him at dinner and talking, I was like, this guy is so misunderstood by the general public. So that was my takeaway at the end of the week. So when I was on the cane train for for Chris to really get on there and get involved and bring him in, it was because of that experience. And I just know that he's obsessed with the game and he wants to win again. And I felt like that's the guy we saw last night. I mean, he was on the puck. He was hounding it. He wanted the puck. And I always feel like that's the attitude of stars. I want the puck. And I mean, I know he saw Kreider but he didn't want to see Kreider. He wanted the opportunity to score, right? Like, it's like, Hey man, this is me now. This is my time. And then we're all going to pay for it because you know what else? Don't forget. They're watching the tape after that. And now they may jump him. And guess what happens when you jump Patrick Kane in the circle on an, on an odd man rush, he passes through you. So that helps him because he can't just be a one dimensional pass guy, even in that circumstance last night. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, it's uh, it's all going great. So the person that uh, is involved in our show, who's the happiest about that development, is coming on now. Our producer Chris Flannery. What's the uh, what's the, what's the what's the jersey you got on today, Flans? What do you got? I am proudly wearing my uh, Showtime on Broadway shirt right now uh, after <laughs> that performance last night. Uh, uh, do you call them jerseys? Yeah, the t-shirt, like t-shirt with the number on the name on the back. That's awesome. T-shirt jersey. Called that. There you go. See, learn something new when you come when you come. There you go. (laughs) Jersey. 
my question for the for the round table here to wrap it up. It's two nothing Rangers. Game three tomorrow night. Um, game four on Monday. Is there even going to be a game five? I'm sure that you watched anybody who watched those two games, even if you're not a crazy Ranger fan, you're thinking like, all right, this is over. The Devils look completely demoralized. Not really how it works, especially now. Uh, there are teams and coaches that are able to kind of stem the tide. The momentum in the playoffs tends not to go from game to game or even sometimes from shift to shift. It's so, you know, the the, tide, the rising tide is always so wild and emotional. Um but this one, to me, feels a little different, and I'm sure, Chris, for you, feels very different. Do we see anything beyond Monday, or is are the brooms out for uh, for you right now? I mean, I definitely have my broom, you know, leaning against the TV right now. I'm ready to uh, to see that happen. I, th- you know, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I think Game Three obviously is is critical. If the Rangers win Game Three, I think it's a sweep. You, you but I, the temptation is going to be there after the way things have gone. Everybody in that room has to be feeling good about the way they're playing. I mean, there's nobody on the the roster that isn't contributing in some way that it just looks fantastic. I think the, the temptation is going to be to come out and, you know, maybe put on a show at the garden. I think they have to even dig down even more into the, the defensive structure they're playing with really don't turn pucks over. Don't give the devils anything because you've seen it uh, towards the ends of both games where, just one quick mistake, one turnover. Hughes got the 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 breakaway and that turned into the penalty shot, and he had a chance late last night as well. So, you know, I think, yep. you know, as good as it's looked, uh, the reason it looks that good is because they're not giving the other team a chance to score and play their game. So they just really have to, you know, bear down, keep the defensive structure sound, and they're going to get their chances, obviously. I mean, they're stunting on them at certain times on the power play. Look what Kane did last night. It's like, you're going to get those chances. You don't, you don't have to go out of your way to do that. And I think, you know, listen, I think as, as long as the Rangers can just can maintain that defensive structure and the way Igor is playing, I think a sweep is entirely possible. And it's important. I think it's important as this group grows and tries to get towards the cup. You saw it last year. and You've seen it in past years. They They had a hard time. Uh, taking a two nothing lead, they had a hard time closing out series. It would go to six, seven. I think it's important for this team mentally and and for the rest of this run to be able to get through this series and and try to close it out in four at home. Valley sweep or no? You know, um, you know, yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is what I saw last night in the second period. And guys, when we're talking about intangibles and leadership and buy in, those are very important keys to what the team concept is, the team protocols. Second period, Payne, center ice. He's calling for his winger on the other side of the ice to dump the puck. He's got his stick up in the air, and he's pointing towards the New Jersey double corner to get a dump. The puck doesn't get dumped in. It's a play that's lost at the offensive blue line and turns the other way. The Rangers defend well. Payne gets the puck at the red line 10 seconds later. He dumps it in hard. The Rangers get in on a four-check. Payne gets a chance from the slot. That, to me, is Kane's opportunity to go back to the bench and say, hey, boys, this is how we're playing. This is how it gets done. That's something that would get on the bench. That's an opportunity for the other guys to buy in to what the guy that's got the cups has to say. Yep. And then the Rangers rolled from there. It was wave after wave, and it included a great glove save by Shesterkin where he got a piece of it. And then the wave continued, and the Rangers continued to just pour it on and score. But that's why I believe in the team right now. It's that. When I see that, I know it's legit. And when I know it's at that level, 
they can maintain that mindset and structure and protocol when they play game three, they take care of business and then it's, you know, see you later. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I don't see any reason why they can't sweep. You know, let, usually you win the first two games of a series. Uh, usually you win them at home. Even teams that win them on the road, they're not they're not clowning another team. They're not they're not making them look foolish like they maybe don't even belong there. Um, this is different. This feels a little different. The way that the Rangers are playing, the way that the Devils are not playing, the way that really anybody, any forward outside of Jack Hughes is doing anything noticeable at all. I would say maybe Eric Halla is a guy who's brought maybe a C plus game. Yeah, but but you see, yeah, he's a good player. He is a good playoff player. But Timo Meyer, their big addition, he's been completely invisible either on the power play or at five on five. Took a terrible <laughs> penalty on Zibanejad to help the power Rangers power play get going again with another goal in the second period when he was trying to cover up for a D-man that had pinched. Dougie Hamilton, no show. You know, it's you can kind of go down the list. I, I feel a little bit bad almost for Vitek Vanacek. He's Soft. a guy who came into this series with uh, coming off a great season, but he played in front of a team that, that we talked about, had the most high-danger scoring chances, the most scoring chances, the highest expected goal total at 5-on-5 five five and off the rush. You don't have to put up a 925 behind that to have a great year. Right. And he has been exposed as well. So I feel like if it wasn't such a comprehensive, uh, you know, uh, demolition of what the Devils had built. And as you pointed out, Valley, a bit of a panic move, if that's what it was, to bench to sit Siegenthaler. They put Sharon Govich in. They moved Miles Wood up for some strange reason after he had kind of an invisible game one. Um, it seems like the Devils are in disarray. And I think the Rangers have shown that fortitude, that backbone, you know, it, it's whether it's the fourth line or some of their bigger star players to play the right way, to take take their defense and turn it into offense, turn it into scoring chances or turn it into power plays and capitalize. Um, yeah, I could I could see the brooms coming out and uh, having a nice few days off until they face either Carolina or the Islanders, and uh, we'll see what happens with that game three tonight, whether it's more likely whether the Carolina goes up 3-0 and we start talking about a sweep in that series, and then both teams will have the, the dreaded long layoff between the first and second round, and uh, yeah. we, can, we can break that one down when, when the time comes. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think, I think we're headed towards a sweep. Hey, boys, what do you guys feel about the goaltending in New Jersey, though? Are they going to stick with Vanacek? You know – Schmid has been the one that's been backing up, which I guess was also a surprise because Mackenzie Blackwood has kind of been there all year. He's been hurt a lot, but he was healthy. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go to Schmid. He's had a couple of good stretches of play in the NHL this year. Uh, you know, I think his last couple of games were not great. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to try something. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Luke Hughes, Jack's younger brother, who's been who came from Michigan. Yeah. I would just to just to change it up and get some of that youthful energy in there. It just feels like they're frozen right now. So whatever changes they can make, I would imagine they're going to try to make some around the edges of their lineup. And that's another plus for the Rangers. We think about how they how they kind of stumbled from the minute they were committed to that cane trade where they had to pare down their roster below 18 skaters. Sometimes one game they were down to 15. Um, You know, it was it was comical almost if it wasn't so ridiculous to see. Uh, and even after the trade, after <laughs> yeah. the trade where they couldn't bring anybody up, uh, you know, Ryan Lindgren was out. They were playing with 17 skaters a couple of nights, just the bare minimum. Most of the rest of the night, 11 and seven if they could. Um, 
And now here they are. They've got extra guys. Everybody made it through healthy to the most important time of the year. So it, it really, as we were talking about during the end of the regular season, it completely discounted. Once they got Kane, once their playoff position was assured, it really was all about this week. And you can kind of see the the results of that that plan coming into play. So Chris Jury's got to feel good about all the all the agita he gave himself with the roster shenanigans to try to make these trades work. Um, so yeah, it just feels like one right traffic right now, and the Devils are the ones that, that are scrambling and trying to be desperate. And yeah, maybe we will see Akira Schmid in the in the Garden the, tomorrow night. And uh, if we do, another rookie to make his his playoff debut, a very young kid. So I don't know if it's it's not going to be putting Marty Brodeur in against the Rangers in 1992 or anything like that. But uh, the Devils need to do something. But I don't know if it's going to work. So. Uh, well, thanks, Valley, for uh, hitting us up from your car. I hope the rest of your day goes well. Awesome, man. It's great timing, too. I'm two minutes away from the ring. <laughs> Perfect. And thanks, Chris, for, for chiming in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We'll get a new jersey from you next week if uh, things are already done. And th- <laughs> thanks, everybody out there, for listening to Garden Faithful. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if you're enjoying the show. That really helps us out. And right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month. Visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Rangers up two games to none. We'll see if there's any more games left when we hit you up next week. Thanks a lot, everybody.